This is episode 59 of the Magic Detective Podcast. On this episode, you'll hear about some special things and special people related to the world of magic. That and more on this episode of the Magic Detective Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Magic Detective Podcast, your podcast home for magic history. I'm your host, Dean Carnegie. I am the Magic Detective, and this is episode 59, kind of a special edition. Uh, So much has happened since uh, I finished the last podcast. Um, The virtual Yankee Gathering finished up, and that was a lot of fun. I didn't get to see everything, um, but there were some things, that, well, let's put it this way. The things that I did get to see really stood out. Kevin Connolly, I loved your postcard presentation on Houdini. Whoa, that was so cool. Amazing collection. Loved every second of it. Great job. Uh, Laura London, uh, <laughs> come on now. You were absolutely brilliant. Uh, Laura did a talk on Mercedes Talma, and in season one of my podcast, actually episode 28, um, I did a podcast on Mercedes Talma myself, and I had great difficulty finding information on Talma. Now, along comes Laura London, and um, obviously she didn't have any problems. She found out so much wonderful information. She revealed things that blew my mind. I loved every second of her session. So revealing, so well put together. She even had family members from Cervelli Roy and Mercedes Talma's family come together. Just, oh, gosh. Oh, loved it. Loved it. Um, And can I comment about any other sessions? Not really. Um, I pretty much missed everything else. Um, (laughs) Unfortunately, I had um, I was auditioning for a famous TV show, the upcoming season of America's Got Talent. That's right. I figure about every magician on the planet has been on the show, so I might as well throw my hat in at this point. Actually, I've auditioned so many times they should give me an award for uh, at least a participation award for having auditioned so many times, but we'll see what happens this year. Maybe uh, maybe I'll get on, or maybe they'll just be like. Give it up, give it up, go home. Uh, it was virtual, so it was uh, kind of a interesting thing in itself. So, um, yeah, this Magic Collector's Corner thing. What is going on over there? Are they just not tearing it up or what? They are just every Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I, I haven't seen all the episodes, but every episode I've seen, I've been like, these guys are killing me. There's this, these episodes are so fantastic. And, um, and the, can they stick to a schedule? No, not at all. And I love that. Love that. Oh, we're just going to do two hours and then 12 hours later, they're still going and you're loving every second of it. David, Sandy and Lance Rich. Wow. You guys just knocking it out of the park. And um, kudos to you. The last episode, which I don't know if it's the last episode forever or the last episode of their first season. I don't know really what's going on there, but that's, you know, that's up to them. 
um, was on Tannen's Magic Shop, and come on, can Tannen's Magic Shop? I, you know, that was the uh, the the big famous magic shop when I was growing up. I I had never been to Tannen's, but uh, lots of people had. I, I did um, did mail order from Tannen's. Mail order was something you did before there was the internet, and. Um, so I bought stuff from Tannins, but I never got to visit the shop. But uh, now, after watching this episode, I feel like not only have I visited the shop, but I've met most of the people that work there. And um, what an incredible session it was. I, I'm not sure. I think it was three hours or more, and it was riveting. I couldn't stop watching it. It was so fantastic. I didn't know that I knew people that had worked at Tannins at, at some point. Oh, just, just the best. So again, um, to uh, David and, and Lance, well done, well done. Uh, okay, so let's see what else do we have here. Um, season three. So we're a few episodes into season three of this podcast, and um, I've been giving a lot of thought about changing some of the things, and I really enjoy the format as it is. However. I don't know, whenever I talk about magic history or the history of magic, it's always in regards to those performers who have gone on before us and passed on. But um, I got to thinking at, at one point, you know, there are many of us in the uh, in the magic community, many folks that have had their careers and retired but are still around, and why not take advantage of of them while they're still here and talk to them. And uh, boy, is this really pertinent for today. Oh boy. Um, anyway, so it's something that I've considered uh, just changing a little bit and, and maybe focusing on some folks that are still alive and maybe even some folks that are um, uh, still up and coming and um, making a name for themselves. So that's kind of what we're going to do today. Uh, I'm going to share... Uh, story about a, a young lady that I think you're really going to like. And then I have some uh, parting words about some someone else. So um, long story short, not going to be a big overhaul of the show, just going to be adding some unique segments from time to time. And uh, probably going to do another interview from here and there, because the interview that I did um, with uh, Judge Gary Brown on Alf Lasso is now the number two most listened to episode of the three, uh, well, the two previous years. So, wow. Uh, I was stunned at how many uh, people had listened to that. So that tells me we're going to, you know, move in that direction a little bit. And now there's no uh, time like the present to get started with, uh, with the new stuff. So today I'd like to feature a young lady that I don't think is well known, uh, she certainly has her own fans within her own geographical area, but uh, she, she really deserves to be known all over the globe, not just in her, her own town. She was just a little girl who had hopes and dreams of pushing her boundaries, understanding nature and seeing the world. And what better way to do that than by becoming a real-life genie? But wait, who is this? Well, it all started with a little girl named Jeannie. She was born in Daly City, California. From her earliest moments, she showed signs of future stardom. 
It began with acrobats and or acrobatics and converting cushions from her mother's couch into a makeshift gym floor. She began to learn the rudiments of tumbling. She came from a family of dancers, both mother and grandmother were dancers, and movement and artistry was in her blood from the start. Her earlier life was difficult. She doesn't recall her father who left when she was only two. Her mother was next to go. So Jeannie would grow up and live with an aunt and her grandmother until she was 11 years old. Now, despite having this tumultuous upbringing, you'll never hear Jeannie say a negative word. She always saw the brighter side of things, the silver lining, as it were. She does not embrace the victim culture. Rather, she takes each day and finds the goodness in it and excels in it and all that she does. From ages 15 to 18, Jeannie was a major competitor in gymnastics, winning over 100 ribbons and medals within three years. She was voted most valuable player in her sports acrobatics team three years in a row and won gold medals in the Northern Peninsula League two years in a row. By age 17, she was out on her own with her own apartment, car, and an unstoppable desire to test her limits in movement, art, and life. The next few years has her joining theatrical troops and getting involved in performing arts. She attends college at Manhattanville College in New York, earning a specialized degree in international relations and visual and performing arts. She graduated in 1998 when she was just 23. Her next adventure was when she was asked by her acrobatics instructor to come back to gymnastics and train for a Women's Trio Acrobatics National Championship competition for one season. Following this, she taught circus classes at Cirque San Jose. At 29, she became part of the Friendship Ambassadors Foundation, leading groups to Eastern Europe and Western Europe, Russia, and throughout Asia and China. To date, Jeannie has a great foundation in dance, movement, circus arts, performing arts, gymnastics, and more. Then, in 1999, when she returned to California, she met Michael Stroud. Michael was a professional magician who had recently created a unique performing character called Majinga the Magician. Michael had this idea of creating a larger show with a cast of original characters. As fate would have it, he was fortunate enough to meet this energetic young lady on the stage of a melodrama theater in Campbell, California. Having also studied acrobatics, their mutual coach, a man named Dan Hoff, from Cirque San Jose, introduced them. Majinga and Jeannie met for the first time on the hundred-year-old floorboards of the Gaslight Theater. Dan was running lights for the show, the second year into production, and realized Majinka needed the style and grace of someone who had been tumbling, flipping, twirling, and dancing her way through gymnastics and sport acrobatics since her teens. Jeannie and Majinga were introduced on the stage, and nothing has stopped them from working together to this day. She taught Majinga acrobatic partner sequences that would be sprinkled into many illusions. Instead of just entering a box or sitting on a couch, the entrances and exits to the illusions performed were often as impressive as the magic and obvious display of skill perfectly complementing the mystery. 
The two became busy partners in mystery, rehearsing weekly for their monthly show, a unique feature of the theater show, which was also uh, involved a troupe of uh, four to 20 cast members, depending upon the performance, is that each show was different. That meant a lot of time putting new ideas together, recording them to see how they looked, and then performing them in front of a live audience. They were fortunate to have a full theater to themselves, often rehearsing till midnight twice per week. Over the past 20 years, Jeannie has performed an incredible amount of illusions, likely setting a record for the scope and variety of material she has presented. In 2003, Jeannie and Majinga competed at FISM in the Netherlands. Jeannie's acrobatic background made for an unusual act, which got them a lot of attention. She began to become recognized as the lady who did the floating ball illusion while balanced with one foot on Majinga's bent knees, the other foot hooked against his neck while in a counterbalance, all while floating the silver sphere. Out of hundreds of pre-qualified worldwide contestants, they were the only ones who incorporated acrobatics with stage illusion. While at FISM, they met Eddie Au of Eddie International LTD, a magic manufacturer who sponsored a lecture tour for them in China. This is where they first were exposed to what would become one of their trademark routines, the Chinese face-changing act. The act has taken them across the country and the world and remains one of their favorite forms of magical theater, incorporating illusion, dance, and unlimited creativity. From China, the tour took them to Indonesia, where Genie expanded their appearances to Bali and Jakarta. The tour was a huge success, and they made many friends. Magic Genie is not just a magician's assistant and choreographer, however. Because of her love of magic, she purchased a wholesale magic company called Rabbit Magic in 2006. The magic business expanded and grew, and Majinga and Genie created a lecture tour with the inventory of Rabbit Magic, and began to expand their customer base, not just in the U.S., but overseas as well. Many of the routines would end up in their show called the Magic Bazaar, and their skill with silks and streamers and apparatus made people take notice. Eventually, Jeannie would take her Rabbit Magic and turn it into a brick-and-mortar place. Her store is housed within the San Jose Dancewear Company, they sell magic, do weekly magic classes, and the occasional event. It's also a big space for them to rehearse the large illusions in. Now with COVID, they also do Facebook Live events and Zoom shows. Magic Genie and Majinga have been busy performers, having entertained at most of the biggest events in the Bay Area, including the San Francisco Palace of Fine Arts, the Herbst Theater, the San Jose Theater for the Performing Arts, the California Theater, and the San Jose Arena, also known as the SAP Center. For seven years, they were the resident magic show at the 500-seat Jose Theater, which is the current home for the Improv Comedy Club. Many of those performances can be seen on YouTube. Clearly, Majinga and Magic Genie are stage performers. So what does a stage performer do during COVID? Well, Magic Genie has applied her skills to the world of card magic and learned some incredible sleight of hand. She does incredible close-up magic, which can be seen in the Magic Bazaar and Magic Vision 
monthly shows. When I first saw Majinga and Magic Genie, my first thought was that they were disciples of Cesario Pelaez from the La Grande Vide show in Beverly, Massachusetts. But Michael told me they had never had the opportunity to see the show at that point. There is no mistaking, however, that a kindred spirit exists between the two shows. They're not duplicates of each other, nor copies, but they clearly are cut from a similar cloth. Both shows feature wonderful and unique costuming. Both shows feature seldom-seen apparatus magic. And both shows are made up of multiple cast members. This year marks the 20th year that Magic Genie has worked with Majinga. But clearly, their relationship is a collaborative one. Magic Genie brings so much to the table that it should be the envy of every illusionist or stage performer. And honestly, they are just beginning. I'd like to finish this with a quote from Rick Heath. Now, Rick is a long-standing member of the LaGrande David Show. And here's what Rick had to say about Magic Genie. Majinga is fortunate to have such a multi-talented person, not only a major presence in the company, but even more importantly, as a best friend. If magic doesn't foster friendships, then for me at least, it has little meaning or value. I was impressed with so many of the things Genie does on stage that appear so natural and effortless, such as the grace and rhythm of her movements, the allowing of the magic to speak for itself, the fullness of her gestures that reach the last row of the balcony, and her use of the whole stage. These are things that Cesario stressed from day one of rehearsals and for the next 35 years. There was also the absence, thankfully, of any pretensions and mugging for the audience or of the cheap repeated gestures used by so many magicians to elicit applause. Even the ability and confidence to stand silently without movement as if presiding over the core of dancers is remarkable especially when so many performers can't avoid all sorts of useless antics and meaningless movements. Bravo! There's so much more I could say. For example, the delicacy of her walk when she carried the screens towards the footlights. No big ego in the footsteps. Mm. Please share my appreciation for Magic Genie. And this from Rick Heath from... Marco the Magi's production of Le Grand David and his own spectacular magic company. Well, my friends, I wanted to feature Magic Genie because um, females in our art don't get quite enough recognition. And here you have a young lady that is not just an assistant, but she's a magic shop owner and she is a magician in her own right. As a matter of fact, if you go to my blog, which is themagicdetective.com, you'll see that I have posted a short piece on on um, on Magic Genie, and you'll get to see her performing by herself. Um, you'll get to see her demonstrating a uh, piece of apparatus magic, and then you'll see her working with Majinga. She's clearly someone to pay attention to. She is a, a wonderful, wonderful artist, and um, I, I am very proud to be able to... Uh, to point her out and share her with my audience, and I hope you will take some time to uh, 
see all that she has done for magic. And also, Majinga has, uh, I think he told me, like some 700 videos on YouTube. So you could check some of those out, and you'll see uh, the incredible way that she's choreographed many of these routines where multi-cast members move effortlessly one with the other and uh, it's just beautiful to behold so I encourage you to to check that as well but if you go to my blog like I said which is themagicdetective.com and the latest article that's up is on Magic Genie so um, congratulations on the 20-year performing hallmark with uh, Majinga and uh, we hope you have many many more years ahead and now, my friends, um, the big feature of the podcast tonight was supposed to be Senor Blitz. However, today, November 13th, 2020, um, I received news that um, I just pulled the rug out from under me. Uh, I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area, and you couldn't be involved in magic in this area without visiting and meeting Al Cohen of Al's Magic Shop. There have been many magic shops over the years, but Al's will always hold a special place in my heart because it was my first, and it was during my developing years. Al was always encouraging and supportive. He never tried to steer people the wrong way. In fact, I remember hearing many a conversation with customers who told Al that they wanted to go and be a full-time magician. And Al would do his best to be supportive while at the same time trying to talk them out of it. He was always looking out for his customers. And so, you know what? Some of us did go full-time, and he was thrilled when we succeeded. I loved going to that shop. I spent many a Saturday there. And then for a short time, a very short time, when I had a regular job, I would sometimes take a long lunch and drive down to Al's Magic Shop. I enjoyed meeting the various cast of characters there, like Stan and Mike and Doc and... And all the other faces that, well, I still remember the faces, but not necessarily the names. I remember seeing the amazing Randy in the shop one day and, and also meeting David Williamson there for the first time. I remember seeing Patch Adams there. And if you're not familiar with who that is, go look, look up Robin Williams movies and you'll find Patch Adams. The last time I saw Al Cohen was in 2013 and that was at the D.C. Symposium on Magic History. And he saw me first and reached out his hand in greetings. Al hadn't changed at all. He looked exactly the same as the last time I'd seen him. And he was just as funny and, 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 as, and as engaging as always. He even asked me to help him out with a bit that he was going to do in that night's show. And for the life of me, I, I do not recall what it was. I was just thrilled to see him, and it's kind of, right now, it's all kind of a blur. So the news, obviously, was our beloved Al Cohen has passed away. Um, and uh, it is a shock that is slowly reverberating through the magic world. I, I'm seeing the various folks, uh, both famous and not so famous, comment about Al. I mean, everybody knew Al. Everybody loved Al. He was, um, you know, besides being a great guy, he was one of the best demonstrators of magic that there ever was, ever will be. I don't think anybody demonstrates magic the way Al does. I mean, 
uh, you just had to see it to believe it. He was incredible. Hearing the news, um, I knew that finishing the Senior Blitz episode wasn't going to happen. I found myself in a puddle of tears after just a few moments. And this is what this is what happens when your childhood idols pass on. And what's worse is I've got a card sitting here on my table to send to Al. A get well card because he recently had a pacemaker put in and I wanted to send him a card and cheer him up, but I hadn't mailed it yet. Oh well. Al's in a better place now. Surrounded by loved ones and all the magicians who passed before him. And I know that they are having a big party right now. I have no doubt. Take care, old friend. The Magic Detective Podcast will return in January with the Senor Blitz episode and much, much more. Until then, I'm Dean Carnegie. I am the Magic Detective. Please have a safe and happy holiday, whichever one you celebrate. And be safe, my friends. Until next time.